and welcome to 3-Bit Design, where we break down some of the most influential games into the 3-Bits that we think defined them the most. I am Tristan. And I am Oliver. And today, we're going to take a look at a game called Journey, which you may have heard of. Uh, in Journey, the player generally, not generally, they do control a robed figure in a vast desert, traveling towards a mountain in the distance. Quite a sparse description, which is par for the course and something we're excited to discuss today uh, as a sort of brief background, I guess, for this game. It was co-developed by That Game Company, as well as Santa Monica Studio, and published by Sony. It was, what's important for us to note, directed by Xinyan Chen, or Genova Chen, as they are otherwise known as, uh, released in 2012 for the PlayStation 3 and then ported to the PS4 in 2015. Later on, it came to Windows, came to iOS in uh, 2019, and what's interesting for us at the time of recording, is that uh, this year, 2022, it uh, celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Very nice. And it was also, at the time, part of a sort of trilogy that that game company designed for Sony in partnership, which also included Flow and Flower, for those who are interested. And it's also kind of interesting that that game's company latest game in Sky Children of the Light is very sort of journey inspired, but a bit more MMO-y. So for those that are interested after this podcast, be sure to check it out and you might find a few of the elements reciprocated in that game. Yeah, I like that you said after the podcast. Very important that you first listen all the way through <laughs> to this podcast. Um, so this is our first episode. Thanks uh, for joining us. We really just are doing this for Oliver and I to have an excuse to talk about game design, which we uh, love dearly, as it is our day job. Um, we've started with Journey, and the way this is going to work is we pick out the three bits we like, and each of us is going to talk about that thing, or sort of bring it to the table to discuss. And it shouldn't take too long, hopefully, we'll see. Uh, Oliver, do you want to kick us off with the first topic or uh, bit of design that is worth discussing? Yes, I can. The first bit... I wanted to talk about was the um, I'm going to start off with the movement mechanics in this game because I feel like um, kind of interestingly similar to Flow and Flower it's all about sort of the so there's like a rhythm to the mechanics that the player has and sort of they become the, the movement mechanics really make them become one with the environment and everything sort of plays really well and nicely together. Um, I think in Journey especially, the um, freedom of movement is a huge part of the journey and also how it's restricted later on. It sort of um, folds together in the narrative where at the start you're sort of um, let loose in a vast desert uh, it looks like you can go anywhere, but when you sort of try to go to the edges and stuff, you do get pushed back by a mysterious wind. <laughs> but nevertheless... <laughs> I really... Um, uh, sorry to interrupt you there. I, yeah, there was correct. something about that wind that I also equally felt that that helped me never feel lost. Like, I know we'll we'll kind of bring this up probably round and round as we go. Um, yeah. But there is very clear objective markers for you, isn't there? As well as, you know, when you're moving through this world, you're like, you know where you're going. And if you should deviate, this wind barrier um, kind of shoves you back. I found, at least for my personal anecdotal playthrough when I was preparing for this podcast and going through Journey properly, 
I never actually encountered that wind barrier. I had to watch someone else's playthrough to go, oh, is that what happens oh, really? when you just go in the other direction? I felt completely like I was never lost. I knew which way I wanted to go, and I never hit this barrier. So just mm. sorry uh, to jump in there, but like, that was one experience of someone, I guess. No, that's very interesting because I, I sort of encountered that most people I see, they're kind of intrigued, like, there's clearly nothing over there, but what happens if I try to go like that type of like, freedom of freedom that video games brings to the player that any other sort of medium doesn't really bring? Mm. It's kind of interesting there, especially because um, I think like with Journey, they really tried to emulate the hero's journey. And part of the hero's journey is sort of that idea of, um, of uh, the refusal um, and being pushed back when you're trying to go, like the f refusal of the call to adventure. Mm. And like the only way that that's really sort of notably incorporated in the game, which because it's kind of hard to do it in a video game format other than being really explicit about it. But in this game, they kind of did it subtly through the sort of limitations of how big they can make this world by like, if you try to go elsewhere, the game, like the mysterious wind is pushing you back in the right direction. Like, there is no way to refuse this call. Mm. I find there's something, we'll hopefully dive into this through other games, who knows. Um, yeah. We have this temptation, don't we, as game developers for the, the open world that is like a true simulator of the real world where you can go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> uh, so it's really yeah. interesting that most of the time that is just an illusion we give for the experience and the, the emotion we, we like as a gamer and that devs want to elicit in a player of being like, yes, you can, but really you want to go this way to experience the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, back on track about the movement mechanic. <laughs> so in that first section, you kind of, you, you sort of stand up from a meditation position, I think, or in your knees in the sand, you kind of start there's this big sandy hill in front of you and you start off by sort of walking very slowly so it's kind of like your first steps again sort of journey is not only sort of emulating the hero's journey but it's also sort of emulating different steps of of life and like taking your first steps is that sort of first element there kind of going very slowly until you get on top of that sand dune hill and you see the peak of the mountain which is kind of like your call to adventure your hero's goal um and then from there you sort of you start sort of feeling a lot freer you're able to slide down that hill and that immediately sort of gives you like a huge sense of like uh freedom of movement and flow um especially as the music kicks in as well everything sort of plays together really nicely feels like you're you're it's like the innocence of childhood at that stage where you're kind of like, I can go anywhere I like and I'm free to jump around, but you're still re restricted to um, just the sliding and the running. And then once you get your first bits of the scarf, you're suddenly able to jump and fly, but it starts off very limited again until you pick up more and more pieces. And the more pieces you pick up, you can basically jump for longer, fly higher, um, and basically like this, the game sort of keeps increasing your fluidity and movement and potential. And, and through the introduction of this scarf growth and the growth in these mechanics, 
it kind of feels like you're growing as a player, like you're mastering the movement and it really sort of ties in very nicely with you becoming more accustomed to this world and 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 uh, sort of the, the flow of things. Um, also, I feel like that's what also gives a striking turn of events when suddenly you get struck down into the depths mid-game um, where you sort of meet these stony, I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> Are these the big sort of whale leviathan things? <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I know. I know the ones you speak. I loved that. The it was scary being down in the the darkest depths at that scary. point, right? It was quite scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those sort of stony, floaty, um, I guess almost uh, snake-like flying creatures. Mm -hmm. They're kind of um, when they once they spot you and jump down and you you lose a portion of your scarf and they kind of like break do, by doing that you're kind of losing some of that mastery you've built up and you feel kind of powerless more and more sort of through these creatures and so that adds to the sort of dramatic effect that not only the environment but also the music and sort of that stage of the journey is giving you so which is really nice how that ties into the movement mechanics and then after that even you come to climbing the mountain to the icy sort of uh, the wind is really in your face that situation there and during that sequence your scarf actually freezes up and if you don't keep warm you can't jump anymore and you sort of like your movement mechanics again become sort of restricted to that initial slowing down to a walk and sort of really pushing against that wind and losing all of that freedom i think it's really nice how that game company sort of tied these movement mechanics together with the flow of the story with the flow of the narrative and and sort of the the cadence of um the intensity of where the story is at and the music and all of that it's, mm -hmm. it's really nice how it's sort of like you start off baby steps you pick it up you start mastering your movement and then it's suddenly all taken away from you and you feel like you're becoming powerless and frozen up until at the very end you sort of go to that almost heaven-like sequence where you oh, yes. soaring through the sky oh. you've got unlimited scarf at that point and you're just flying <laughs> i amazingly got chills again just remembering it as you <laughs> brought it up now yeah, the music sort of goes up to oh. a crescendo. It's beautiful. Mm. And it's like you um, only experience that because of the, I don't know if it's hardship or challenge, but like, as you say, that, that yeah, exactly, loss yeah. of the things as you go. Yeah, you, it felt like you had nothing left and you almost collapse in the snow until mm. until there's, uh, uh, I guess there are like, um, these like legendary characters that you see throughout the, the white-robed masters mm -hmm. they sort of re reignite you and allow you to soar to the skies mm. until you reach the top and it's also quite interesting that if you gain all if you find all the bits of the scarf throughout the story then you become one of those white robes. do you oh you see i didn't Characters know that see okay as i mentioned uh, <laughs> or i don't know if i mentioned this but the scary time i had in the deepest darkest depths of that part of the game with the leviathans or whatever I lost my scarf like two or three times. Luckily, I had a random person with me, which we'll get to, I'm sure, 
um, yeah. and they helped me get through that level because I was losing losing bits of my scarf so much. So I didn't even know that you become one of those white master things at the end if you have you all your scarf. Brilliant! That's very it is cool. Very wholesome. <laughs> so you, yeah, once you find all those bits, it kind of feels like you've you've sort of become next level. You've sort of mastered. You've become sort of the 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 apprentice has become the master almost because you're one of those white ones that you encounter in the story yourself um and yeah also an interesting thing i think like we'll come to the multiplayer aspect in a bit again uh, that's like that's my that's our third bit mm -hmm. but, hint um, hint uh <laughs> but just a a slight sort of teaser of that is um i think having that the longer your scarf is when you encounter another player, I feel this is also like kind of a weird thing where you can kind of show that off. And <laughs> it's a little bit of a flex. Yeah, it's a little bit of a flex. Like, look what, like, your scarf is only this long. Look at mine. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt uh, the other side of that uh, because I did not feel as accomplished as the random person that joined me on my journey. Yeah. So, oh. and, and it's, so that's sort of the whole thing about the mechanics. I think it's also worth noting like how I think they sort of reached, especially with the sliding and the gliding and the and sort of the movement here in this game, they've sort of reached a rhythm and flow with the movement mechanics that a lot of games are trying to emulate. Like I'm thinking of Solar Ash, one of the recent games. Uh, by the makers of Hyperlight Drifters, they also sort of go with there. It's like a roller skating character almost, and they're also gliding over big creatures and stuff. It's, I think, a lot of games want to hit. And there's Forspoken, a Square Enix game that's about to come out. They're also trying to hit this sort of. It's almost like a euphoric feeling when you can feel like you're fully in control of your movement and and gliding through the world. And they've done such an amazing job with this game. That, I mean, if we weren't trying to date this episode, we have definitely done so in terms of like saying, this is the year we're recording it. And these are the games we're really excited about that have either recently come out or will be coming out with any luck. But amazing. Yeah. Um, Oliver, that was a phenomenal start to the first episode uh, of this podcast series and this game in general. And if we haven't stated it yet because we are still finding our own flow in terms of the podcast... Anyone listening to this should presume spoilers ahead. Um, I'm assuming oh, yes. you're not going to pick up this podcast and listen to the design of a game while trying to keep any part of it secret <laughs> to yourself. Yes, that is true. Um, and also, if you haven't played Journey, then it's high time. Yeah. If this doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. Thank you. Shall we move on to the bit number two? We may. Many, many thank yous. I guess that's that's one for me to to take on and, and please chime in. I'm sure you do have additional points on this very topic that will probably mm -hmm. be far more profound than I can word. I'll do my best. Um, it's kind of, I loved how when you looked at the movement mechanics now that you were already highlighting how intertwined that is with the, the narrative of the mm -hmm. game and the, the way it tells a story. So I'm going to try just pinpoint another aspect of that, but it's going to be, I might trade over the same ground you've already laid for us. Um, yeah, I did find a really interesting quote by or from Genova Chen in an article, I think it was The Guardian, uh, because uh, I was reading up on Journey this year and there was an article about the 10-year celebration of Journey. And Chen himself says, there was a time 
when emotional story only happened in the cutscenes, but nowadays a lot of the games make you cry even when you're playing. That to me <laughs> is a great advancement in the industry. Yeah, that's true. I thought that was such a nice uh, quote to maybe lean into the the storytelling thing I want mm. to pick out here, which is very much uh, tied to games as a legitimate form of art. Yeah. Which is possibly contentious and worth discussion. So, you know, message us and let's have a chat about this. Uh, but I find that very appealing as the mission for Chen and the studio uh, and how that, that kind of informs a lot of what they do. So let's pick out a few of the things that I found interesting. One kind of alluded to already uh, by Oliver is the objectives in terms of driving you to a, a journey and a story about a journey. Uh, right from the get-go, as you start the game, there's a very short-term objective that's clear to you. Get to the top of the dune, right? We naturally, as human mm -hmm. beings, uh, do that sort of thing. You know, get to the top, and you can see it there. It draws your eye. There's nothing else. It's desert, and you've got these, I don't know if they're swords or just pieces of metal with the scarves flowing, uh, caught in the wind, and you're like, ah, that catches my eye. Let me go see what the hell that's about. That's your short-term goal. And then when you get there, there's the long-term goal. We introduce the mountain. Very clear, very kind of observable and understandable as a player, as a human being. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the top of the mountain. So it's it's a wonderful way, I think, um, Journey and the designers generally lean into intuitive design, I guess we would call it. I'm riffing this off of uh, a YouTube channel called Game Dev Academy, uh, but anyone is welcome to look at. And he kind of breaks down how Journey doesn't so much tell you where to go as invite you where to go mm -hmm. which is a kind of a level design practice i really want to try get right myself <laughs> in my like day to day um, which i found very inspiring in terms of yeah journey. and i and i just think like i think especially with this game it's it's one of the few games out there that sort of tell the whole story without any dialogue and i think thank that's you also such a big a yes. big part of this where it's sort of you instinctively are guided to all these places without uh, i think like the only words you see is is like x to stand up or something in the beginning and then like the joystick to move or something if but that only happens if you're lingering if you don't really if it looks like you don't know what you're doing yes exactly <laughs> what i i love what i love about the buttons when they teach you the buttons is they don't actually tell you what the buttons do they just show yeah. you the button and they're like press the button oh, see right. what happens oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah that's cool Thank you. That's a very good point. That's my second point out of the three things I wanted to pick up, which is uh, that it's wordless um, mm. and intuitive that way, uh, which I found very interesting. So thank you. Very good point. Um, so those are the two things and just felt very exciting to me. And I think it... Sorry, just on that as well. Mm. I think um, it's quite interesting how in there's this one phase in the game. So most of the time you're you instantly know where you're heading because of this these short-term and long-term goals as you said but then there's this sort of it's like after the first stage you reach the stage with the bridge and you sort of build the bridge mm. and that's pretty linear but then after that you sort of get plunked in this big vast desert area again mm -hmm. and all you see is these occasional floating um i guess they're like uh manta rays almost of the scarf materials oh yes 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 and you don't really see any sort of big constructions in that area so it's it feels a little bit more daunting it's it's kind of i guess it's kind of like adolescence at that point or something in the journey of life where it's kind of like 
there's all these opportunities, but I don't know exactly where I should be going. And it's kind of like, let's see where this takes me. And then, you, oh, down there in that sort of dip of the dunes, suddenly there's this construction and ooh, let's go have a look with that. If there's anything around there. and things Yeah, like yeah. That, so. exactly. And that to me is a sort of an overarching umbrella, I guess, for the storytelling and how the overarching sort of storytelling and art thing comes together is how art is sort of an interpretation and that it's open to interpretation and mm, you've yes. also often been talking about these these white robed figures and i know um, you, you've also mentioned like the journey of life like starting as a birth or child and then adolescence now and i've heard other people talk about a journey in terms of a mother figure as well and you recently referred to them as masters you know the, the robed mm. white figures and i thought how interesting again kind of suggestive uh, gameplay that is done by taking away all the words making people lean in and go what the hell does this mean oh it could mean this yeah. could mean that and it's all applicable um, in terms of how it's built yeah and it's, i think in this game especially it's completely up to your interpretation as well there's so many ways you could interpret the story but like i don't know if you're were you going to touch on the ending uh, no, please. What do you what do you want to say about it? Because I've heard sort of, um, I've heard sort of. Some people think, again, with this journey of life thing, that when you sort of collapse on that mountain side, when it's sort of the peak of the snowstorm, um, you and then there's sort of like fades to white, and then you have that encounter with the white robed figures, and then you're out there back up to the top flying some and then you sort of go into the light at the end the light of the yeah. mountain and then you get sort of there's a credits play and then you're back at the start so there's like an interpretation that you died on that mountaintop mm. and that was heaven whoa <laughs> It's deep. It's exactly deep. And there's also part of that is also, and then sort of when you then go back and you see that new character at the beginning after your playthrough, it's like the next person's journey. I see. Yeah, I also got that impression, I think, when I played it. Yeah, I definitely felt yeah. like, hey, this is another journey about to begin. Do you want right, to follow right. them as well? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And then also part of that is all of these scenes in the game all of the levels are in a certain specific color, almost like monochrome color palette of a certain color. So there's like uh, the dune sort of yellowiness in the first segment, and then it goes a bit orange, and then it goes blue when you're down below, and also underwater. And then basically, there's always like a single dominant color, but at the very end, when you're soaring through the sky, it's multiple colors mm. so you got everything going at once i love it and, and i think that's uh, essentially like the like this is the higher plane and you've reached nirvana a heaven type of thing yeah excellent thank you for bringing up that point it's such a i love it see again it speaks to this thing of like yeah you can read that any which way you want because yeah. it's so pared down and it's it's just giving you abstract uh, things happening to you i think that's great and possibly my my second last point then hopefully it, it segues easily is that it's structured and provided to the player with a sense of um sparseness maybe or a lack of clutter 
all the way through mm. the game. Um, all of the things we've been talking about, it's like, you know, there's nothing else but these key things that allow the message, as wordless as it is, to be clearly sent and hopefully clearly received, even though that's in different interpretations by the player. Uh, to round off my point then, the last thing I just want to say is uh, sort of pulled from an interview with Chen as well, is something that they intended to to put into the game or to have an experience of the game is the sense of traversing uh, the space, the story, the narrative with a, a sense of small. So this idea that it's not a power fantasy, as much as it's the flow and the fluidity of that movement and your flying is, is excellent, but mm-hmm. that the awe the player experiences is at the landscape and the environments rather than at their ability to be powerful. And I thought that was such a wonderful uh, thing to hold throughout the whole game that I did feel was the case. I I did feel small Mm. often, especially with those Leviathan things that stole my damn scarf, which was my only resource I had an attachment to. Um, uh, And everything that happens, you, you never feel like you're, as you get it longer scarf that you're more powerful and you're beating the world. It's like the world is still huge and confusing and you're just making your way through it. I thought that was my experience of how storytelling was crafted journey that was interesting to me yeah very interesting woohoo shall we move on to our last bit to bring up oliver yes probably the biggest bit i think we both sort of have things to say about that Uh, i'll leave it mostly to you i think i might chirp in here and there but i will say it's the thing i'm most excited about and is the thing that lingered longest to me about (laughs) journey yeah uh, so our third bit is but of course, the multiplayer experience, that is Journey. So during your journey, you are able to sort of randomly, suddenly encounter another player in your game. And there is no, it's all very seamless. They suddenly sort of show up and there's no matchmaking. There's no, they're completely anonymous. There's no sort of name over their heads, except you see their name in the credits, but during the sort of whole experience, it's very much... Initially, you might not even know it's another player if you didn't know the game was multiplayer. So they sort of show up in your journey. They are indicate... Like, they grab your attention because the game interestingly sort of adds a little white glow on the edge of your screen. Um, to sort of indicate where to look. And if you look towards that glow, you you will be looking at this other player that's joined your match. Um, and, well, match is probably not the right word for this game. But... <laughs> <laughs> PvP. And the, the PvP begins. <laughs> um, so yeah, sort of join your journey. Um, and... And... That is sort of where the second form of mechanic comes into play most interestingly. You sort of, you have the abilities to sort of sing or shout, where you blurt out a tone, and the longer you hold the button, the louder you sort of make that signal. And when you do it with other players, they you are basically charging up their scarf power to... So if you're always sort of like side by side, closely together and both sort of communicating with that with that sound, then you're constantly charging each other up and you can sort of get the most 
um, you can sort of move the fastest, keep flying the longest and stuff like that. So you sort of, it's a very collaborative co-op experience. It definitely feels like the game was built for this co-op experience, but it is also a completely different experience when you play it solo, which is again, why this is such a sort of, I, I feel like Journey is more of a interactive experience than, than like a normal game. Like when you think of a video game, it's not really journey. I feel like it's more like you've experienced something interactive, if yeah. you know what I mean. I think, so. <laughs> no, um, I think so, only in so far as something comes to mind. If you don't mind, I share it now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. There's um, a book called How Games Move Us. I don't know if you've read this book, Oliver. I have it in my library but i haven't read it yet do it i haven't read all of it so i'm gonna only recommend it insofar as i've read the bit about journey in it <laughs> actually all the books in the series by the mit publication uh, are good i think the the series is called playful thinking but anyway uh, so in that book they talk about uh, the fact that journey um, evokes the sort of feelings that come up when sharing a challenging but temporary real-world adventure with someone, so similar to mm. river rafting or like a summer camp outing. And I don't know if that speaks to what you're saying now as well. For me, it highlighted the necessity of companionship in this experience, and my brain was doing this weird thing where I felt like I had just um, gone through this uh, hardship or this challenging journey through that cold at the very end it was this one person clinging to me in the cold yeah. up the slope yeah, yeah, yeah. and 100%. it triggered the same things in my brain that happens when um we play D D. like i'm a big dungeons and dragons fan and i remember the first time um i was playing i think it was level two or something in the first ever campaign i ever played and it was our first dragon we met and i remember sweating I remember actively sweating at the table trying to talk to this dragon we had found. And I was like, we are going to die. And <laughs> it's it's that sort of, I don't know, our brains kind of confuse what's real and what's imaginary. And uh -huh. yeah, I get the sense that this interactive experience that is Journey kind of uh, signals those same responses in our brain. Yeah, for sure. And I think and I think they've like they've done it so brilliantly in this game where the interaction you have with this other player is so minimal, but the, the because of that minimality, if that's the right word. Oh, I love that word. The, <laughs> <laughs> because of that, you're sort of only limited to positive interactions because mm. you don't have any of that sort of, you don't have any voice chat, you don't have any text chat, you don't have any um, emotes or anything. It's purely, you can shout at them with a the little musical note. Or you can just run up to them. And also, interestingly, when you pause the game, you sort of go and sit down rather than bring up the whole pause menu type thing. So you can oh. see when someone's resting and and wait for them to stand back up or or continue the journey on your own and, and find someone else on the way. That is so beautiful. And again, wordless. And I, I didn't realize that the pause menu does that. That's excellent. Man, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really, yeah, it's really something unique for sure. And also, um, so yeah, I think that does it really well. I think, um, I th like, I've never, I think this is possibly the best cooperative multiplayer experience I've ever had with a random person online. Oh, I agree. No, yeah, there is no other game where I, where I sort of came out of a game playing with other people that was like, 
I really enjoyed playing with this person from the like from the center of my heart. Yeah, it's like it gave you hope for humanity again, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because I played my whole journey playthrough with the same online person, and I felt like did you? Yeah, and and I felt I was like I was really like throughout the journey I was really hoping that person was gonna stay online with me during this. Like mm. I was like, I really don't want this person to leave. I feel like we have this Aww. bond and I wanna sort of like reach the top with him. And when I saw him like when I when he was out of my sight, I was kinda of like, did he go? Am I am I alone now? Is it oh, oh <laughs> wow. It's fine. We're, we're back on track. Keep going. Yeah. Oh man. I, I thought I had the same person that just kind of uh, left and then came back and then at the end of the game I saw the credits and there was like two or three different uh, people that had joined in my journey so I was like oh oh okay I was not as attached as you <laughs> yeah fair enough because then when I was with that same person especially like that sort of final final descent where you're sort of in that snowstorm really struggling through those last steps up to the peak and slowing down every step and when that other character when that other online player is next to you doing sort of the same thing and you see you see them collapsing before you collapse and that is such a powerful moment oh. i was like oh no yeah yeah what is that? he's dead <laughs> <laughs> it's just me beautiful it's beautiful oh man yeah it's the fact that it just dies a couple of seconds before it was i was like oh this is so painful this mm, is and so hard. such a good design choice it is so right? beautiful yes oh. and then yeah it's just like when i play online games and stuff like i'm thinking uh, overwatch league of legends that usually come out of it kind of like not in a good mood <laughs> yeah like it's, it's been it's like a lot of that online competitive space and stuff it's quite toxic and with the voice chat and stuff it feels like like if a if a player is not playing to your liking, you sort of hear it out loud, and players get easily sort of shut shut down and want to leave and and kicked out and stuff like that. And it's not very sort of empowering. Whereas in journey, because you're limited to these positive interactions, it just feels like you're on this journey with this person, and it's only like and because they sort of with their shouts power you up as well. It's sort of like the journey is easier together a little bit, and so you're kind of like banking on each other's support there which is it's just so nice indeed and i think that is a nice high point to wrap up don't you think just a couple of points on that as well i was oh, yeah. going to say the um i was also going to say the interesting thing you know those murals you find throughout the game yes um it's also really cool there's like tiny little details in this game that make it so much more special as well like when you're doing the murals if there is an online player with you at the time where you're doing that mural, then the mural is painted in with two characters in the depiction. I saw that, yes. But if you're by yourself, then it's only one character. So the story is like being told as you are playing it, mm. depending on how you're playing it. It's responsive, it's reactive. Yeah. Um, and also, um, at the end, this is the bit where it tells you which players you met along the way. I thought I thought it was really nice as well. We sort of touched on that, and and also the multiplayer experience in this game because it's sort of like so sort of minimalist and directly responsive to each other. And 
when a player sort of goes off to find his collectible and sort of shouts at you and you're like what are you doing over there and then you see there's collectible over there it's kind of like whoa this guy made me discover this collectible i wouldn't have seen otherwise it's really cool um because of this multiplayer element i also think um it makes the game each journey be different because of the different people you encounter on the way and also as i said touched on before when you collect all the scarf bits and you become the white robed version then it kind of feels like you're sort of the master on the journey the guardian angel of this newbie that you're guiding along the way which is also really nice so it's kind of like depending on who you're encountering on the journey every journey is different even though the levels and the sequences are the same which is it's just so cool how much they were able to do with the limited amount of resources they had with the technology at the time. Anyone listening to this can probably tell how much we do think this game is excellent and especially how excited Oliver is, <laughs> given that he's like, wait, there's more things, there's more things. Um, so I'm... One more thing, actually. I also... Oh, what? <laughs> it's like we can't just stop a, this man. Just a little fact that I found out. Ooh, factoid. The shout, the sort of the singing thing you do. Yes is always tuned to the music that's playing at the time. Oh, so my gosh. in tune with the song. Brilliant. The sound design, actually, didn't they win an award or something for the sound design on Journey? I'm not entirely certain of that, but I feel like it should be the case. I feel like they would have, yeah. I feel yeah. like they won awards in about everything. It was astounding. Because I think they also... Uh, the music was, like, handcrafted for sequences. That one where you're sliding down... Uh, with the sun glinting through the dune as it's setting or whatever is I remember seeing a, a video breakdown of it that was like they handcrafted that music to be evocative. So yeah. Very, very I strong. Also, I also read that the composer basically composed all the music beforehand, but then once they had finished the levels and he got to play them, he sort of recomposed everything to match it better. Ah, so. oh, was that related to the ten year anniversary at all or no? Was that just like a thing for the game it's release? Just a thing I came across. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Um, but yes, I think that should be then where we wrap up. We've we're still kind of testing the length of these things. We're hoping to keep yeah. them fairly short uh, so that people can digest this podcast. But you know, if we're a little longer on the first ones because we're getting our stride, um, no worries. And I know this. I think we both really appreciate uh, Journey for the art that it is. So in signing off, confirming the you know, fluid movement mechanics bit that we like, the uh, minimalist storytelling that is superb, and the multiplayer that just knocks it out of the park. Those are our three bits for Journey. We're very happy to have shared that with everyone. In closing, Oliver, we want to try in these chats by saying, what are you playing right now? Just just tell us what it is. Right now? I, I mean, yeah. I actually just finished um, Alice Madness Returns which is a Alice in Wonderland video game take where it's kind of dark and spooky and twisted, which is um, kind of like a grim telling of Alice in Wonderland and the sort of set design and everything. It's like a 3D platformer and the set design and everything of it is really cool. So it feels to me, I've had, I don't think I've seen much about this, but it feels like it should be Tim Burton-esque. It is okay. Yep, yep. Yes. It feels like it just hits that nail on the head. Well, <laughs> if Oliver can convince me to play it, we might talk about it on this very podcast. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> I am currently playing Dragon Age Inquisition, which I think is fairly old for the time of recording, but I've never really played those those big mm. uh, action RPGs a lot. I'm, to try that. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it, um, which is surprising. 
to me. Uh, but yeah, that brings us to the end of the first episode of 3-Bit Design. Thank you very much. If you want to get a hold of us, maybe we'll let you know in the next episode exactly how to do that. But for now, we just want to say thank you very much for listening. Oliver, is there anything else you want to say before we go? I will say that it was a great pleasure chatting to you, Tristan. And I look forward to doing this again on the regular. Yes, let's. And to you listening, thank you very much. Have a good time of your lives. Bye. Bye.